0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: Lots still to come. Hour number two of Oilers Now. It's Brendan Escott with you tonight. The Oilers had practice in town this morning or this afternoon and then jumped on the plane down to Nashville. They've got the New West travel roadie down there. That's why you're hearing from me. Instead of Bob, he's kicking off what should be an absolute blast of a first road trip of the season for the Oilers. Six o'clock tomorrow, game time for them against the Predators. We've got... Oilers now at three. Reed has the face-off show at 4.30. Oilers now brought to you each day by World of Spas. Aching after a long day, World of Spas offers tubs designed with your relief in mind. Rest, recover, relax with World of Spas, Alberta's number one swim spa dealer. Visit worldofspas.com. We are uh, shortly going to head off to the River Create Resort Casino Hotline, check in with Frank Saravalli today, but not before I tell you that some guests of the show do receive gift cards to Japanese Village, now open for lunch at Edmonton South and West Edmonton Mall, an afternoon celebration for the senses. Visit jvedmonton.ca. So, uh, yeah, we've got two games this week coming up for you tonight. We've got a couple that didn't exactly go edmonton's way over the weekend and to elaborate a little bit more on this let's check in as we do twice a week with daily face-offs frank saravalli for the horses horse racing alberta come experience live standard bred racing at century mile each friday and saturday for more head to thehorses.com all right, Frank, uh, I stepped outside my back door this morning and I saw pieces of like rubble in the backyard and I kind of looked up and there was still uh, pieces falling. And I'm wondering why, because the Edmonton Oilers are two games into a season, albeit 0-2, uh, but fans are, are are really not happy in the manner in which this team has fallen to 0-2. Can you shed some perspective on what you've seen, Frank, in the first two games for the win? Edmonton Oilers
0: yeah I would say if we're talking grand scheme macro view which is what you want to have right now this is overreaction season Brendan and if I were looking at it and on a 1 to 10 scale what's my level of concern for the Edmonton Oilers it's a one if you give me three more weeks of what we saw in the first two games a month I'd say okay now you can begin to have that level ratchet up to a 7 or an 8. But with where the Oilers are, and I really liked the response that they had in the first minute, first 42 seconds of Saturday night, I honestly thought the Oilers were going to run the Canucks right out of Rogers place. I mean, they, they pretty much bowled over and mauled Casey to Smith. Five shots in the first minute, one goal bull rushed into the back of the net and you're thinking, okay, that's exactly the type of answer, the type of response that I'd expect to see from this team based on how opening night went with an eight to one drubbing. What happened after that was really just normal course NHL. And there's gonna be mistakes made and there's gonna be nights where you get outplayed by the opposition's goalie end 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 but that game in and of itself, you're probably going to lose like that 25 more times this year or whatever the number is. No issue there. Definitely have some concern with opening night, but a blip on the radar. So on the whole, I think it's important to step back, take a deep breath and consider the long slog that's ahead and hope for a response more along the lines next game of what they got in the first 42 seconds on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, and that seemed to be the sentiment in the post-game comments from the the players, Stuart Skinner, and uh, head coach as well. And just, listen, there was a big portion of that game where we were satisfied with how we're playing. And uh, and so there are things that they can build upon. Is I mean, I don't know how closely you're watching things. The results are... are you know, telling to us, but the players are saying as long as the process is executing the way we want it to, early season results maybe not as important. Uh, but the new defense, something that everybody talked about for a big portion of the offseason. We've had a couple mm-hmm. chances to see it here on display. Ha- have you seen any differences, first of all? And, and obviously, I mean, two losses, so it's kind of tough to judge fully at this point.
0: Well, they're subtle. And I would also say it's going to take time. You, it's not like one of those things that you can, you know, cast a die in the preseason and things are set. That's that's not how it works. The preseason lineup is all over the place. The opponents that you're playing uh, aren't always NHL caliber. In a lot of ways, it's more or less meaningless. You don't really start to get results. Start to understand what the true mistakes are going to be. The hiccups the learning process and curve all those things that take place over the course of the season. And when you make a pretty significant change, and I think the Oilers have, and, and I've asked Jay Woodcroft about this specifically, they've done a pretty good job of downplaying and tamping down the idea that um, this is, you know, a major significant change. But I'll tell you that the real answer is like somewhere in the middle. It's not nothing and it's not a seismic change. But it's enough of a change to allow for some confusion and to allow for some, you know, head-scratching mistakes that happen with communication errors and an unfamiliarity in the beginning of a season. So I think it's totally natural. And to be candid, the Oilers are not the only team that has made a very similar change. The Calgary Flames are doing it as well. And they've run into their fair share of hiccups uh, to start. Uh, They got a win on opening night, but certainly uh, definitely a different story against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so, um, look, there's going to be growing pains. And let me remind you that even for a team with expectations, these last two seasons haven't exactly gone totally swimmingly. The way the Oilers finished last year would sort of mask what the first 40 some games were like, which were a grind. It was a roller coaster. It was up and down. Uh, different reasons and some of the same, like the goaltending obviously has not been up to snuff this year. And it wasn't for the first 40 plus games last year. That's a pretty big common thread, but it's also one of those things that I'd expect to, to sort itself out.
1: Chatting with Daily Faceoffs, Frank Saravalli for the Horses, Horse Racing Alberta. Were you surprised, Frank, to see that they went with Stuart Skinner on Saturday after that Wednesday game? It wasn't, you know, about rest or anything like that. I thought that they would, considering they had anointed Campbell the starter, uh, I thought they might have gone with him on that second night and, and instead they go the other direction. What did you think of that?
0: Uh, not surprised at all, and I thought it was the not only the right move but the smart move. I think. Look, uh, you can say that Jack Campbell, um, you know, maybe had not all the goals that went in against the Canucks on opening night were his fault. You could make that argument. What I would say is Stuart Skinner is this team's number one netminder, and. The Oilers were trying to develop some good feelings, some confidence in giving Jack Campbell the start. Let's see if we can pull this guy along with us. And let's, I don't want to say it was charity because it's not, but let's see if we can get this guy going and we can give Stuart Skinner the opener in Edmonton. And that didn't happen. Um, we know the result. And so to turn around and go back to Jack Campbell again, I think sends the wrong message. I think the players have a pretty good indication based on merit, who the starting goalie should be and who should play more games than the other guy. And that's always subject to change because Stuart Skinner has to go out and do it again. But Until otherwise noted, Stuart Skinner is the starting goalie of the Edmonton Oilers, and yes, there's going to be a share of the workload, but he should be getting more of the starts.
1: Another change that we are seeing them make, and this might not actually unfold come game time against Nashville, but practicing together this morning, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Just reintroducing that familiarity, or do you think this is something we see come game time?
0: I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I mean, we saw moments of it, of course, uh, on opening night. I think it was some point in the second period, and I think my initial reaction was kind of like everyone else's, which was, holy smokes, already. Yep. Um, I kind of view it as break glass in case of emergency. You know you can always go to that well, but do you need to? And I don't mind it, though, for now. You know Why? Because you and I are having this exact conversation right now. You were talking about pieces of shrapnel hitting your backyard. (laughs) The last thing you want to do is have that linger for 10 days or whatever it might be before the Oilers find their footing. And if it means putting those two guys together for a stretch or chunk of time, part of what's so different about where the Oilers are at and why they have Stanley Cup expectations is for the first time, they really have a top six that can stand on its own two legs if McDavid and Drysdale are on the same line. They always had five pretty good forwards. Now they've got six. And that's what the addition of Connor Brown does is allows Jay Woodcroft some flexibility to, to go to that well if he needs to. And it's like when you put out your second, third, and fourth lines, that doesn't automatically mean that you're getting shelled. And that's a big step forward for this team. I still think they need more from their bottom six. I still think they need a different dimension. They need someone in that lineup that doesn't have that same type of style of play and skill set. Variety is the spice of life. You need something a little different. But for the meantime, I'm okay with it. Uh, That brings me around to somebody I see as a healthy
1: scratch for this evening's game in Washington, and it's a name that we've heard on this show plenty of times before. Tell me if there's anything to Anthony Mantha and obviously the relationship with Ken Holland, though uh, we know Edmonton's going in different direction in the front office, and this is sort of the potential swan song for Holland. So would Anthony Mantha, theoretically, if he ends up on his way out of the Capitals organization, be a fit, depending how Edmonton could get him onto the books here?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's someone that his biggest question is... Does he compete? And then the next biggest question is, if he does show up when he's not scoring, what's he doing for you? And I think those are two pretty big questions and red flags, not just for the Oilers, but for everyone else around the league. And you consider the pretty significant price that um, that the Washington Capitals paid uh, to get their hands on Anthony Mantha. The fact that... Brendan, this summer, they had offered Anthony Mantha two teams around the NHL for free. Not just like we want something in return, just take him off of our hands and get him out of here is where they were at. And the fact that they had made it through the first contest or two without this kind of coming to a boil already, I think speaks to the open mind that... Spencer Carberry and the Washington Capitol staff tried to have with Mantha moving forward. It's clear that there's frustration there, uh, that everyone needs a change of scenery, but it's just about the last guy the Oilers need.
1: Interesting. That's a great insight from Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff here joining us for The Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Um, Austin Matthews comes out of the gates white hot, back-to-back hat tricks. He's he's already on pace for hundreds of goals, you know, the the hockey universe.
0: 240? Yeah, I think it's Vicky's he's on pace for 240
1: or 247, it's yeah. not a big deal. I think it's, I mean, it, it was that after one game, and now after two games, it, it it still is. We know he's a great player. I mean, I think it's hard for people in this market to give him as much credit as he's probably due. Uh, so what's it been like for the NHL to have uh, an, a premier marketable person come out of the gates this hot?
0: Yeah, I think it's... a big deal, but I think it's a way bigger deal for the Toronto Maple Leafs and their quest to actually do damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know that he had his sort of signature moment against Tampa and finally showed up in the postseason at a time when they really needed him, but there was something missing from Austin Matthews last year, and I don't know if it was just health-related or if it was more than that, but two years ago when he won the Hart Trophy, um, he, he was A different player. He was a stone-cold killer. He was a, he had this swag about him that just was absent. It was gone all of last year. Like he walked into the rink and you knew that guy was scoring and he does it so nonchalantly. It's unbelievable to do the most difficult thing in this sport. McDavid has a little bit of that as well. Of course, the effortless goals that he scores. But to have that back and in such a big way for the Leafs, the contract is done and behind him. He's a Leaf for the next number of years. The team has some new pieces. I mentioned the spice variety, they've added some of that. I just think that's such a huge development. Austin Matthews scoring 40 is great. And I got all, I was like the only guy last year that was like, what is wrong with Austin Matthews? No one else even talked about it. (laughs) Every time I brought it up, it was like, yeah, but he's such a complete player and is could be a Selkie candidate. And yeah, but he kills penalties and yeah, but he does all these things. And I'm saying to myself, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, awesome, but he's being paid as one of the top five, seven, whatever it is, highest paid players in the league to score goals. And so if he's back in that 60 range, 60, 65, 67, whatever it might be, its that's a game changer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's exactly the type of player that they needed him to be. Well, they're scoring six goals a game so far.
1: Uh, obviously, he's accounting for half of those. The problem with this team I was is... to say, that's pretty good uh, they're 29th in the goals against department though four and a half against again so they're they're going to need to score six goals a night by the looks of the defensive end of things and I, frankly is the is the roster kind of just assembled that they're okay with that or is that something that Trey Living's going to have to you know really work to address here in the absence all season of Jake Muzzin and I guess in the longer term here uh, for uh, for Connor Timmons we'll see
0: yeah I think there's a few things there one Ilya Samsonov, as you mentioned, hasn't exactly bathed himself in glory. Um, He's had a tough start, like a lot of goalies. But I think it, it does highlight and drive the point home that the scoring is great, but what's held the Leafs back in the playoffs hasn't been the scoring. It's been their ability to defend. And they haven't solved that core issue like it's it's unreal to add Tyler Bertuzzi and um, to get a little bit of a different view with Max Domi and um, they add speed and Noah Greger, but you got to be able to defend and, and I think the Leafs have a very very average defense core and that's not me being overly harsh on Morgan Riley like the truth is they brought someone else in for their seven and a half million dollar defenseman to run their power play that's a direct indictment of where they're at because he's an okay defender but if he's not doing that either then what so questions abound but guess what it's been now two different regimes that have tried to answer that question on defense that they've got some work to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Last one for you, Frank. We saw an injury to Kirby Dock, which unfortunately has been the story of his young hockey career back to the World Junior uh, in knee injury. And and here we are again coming off a career season. Do We know, uh, I guess he got hit by Jared Tenorti. That was the cause of this. But we're not sure Mm -hmm. exactly what the injury is. Is that right?
0: Yes, and I don't have any indication myself. Obviously, I know it's lower body, but I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, so that just begs the question. I mean, first of all, devastating for a player who's continuing to try and gain traction, and Montreal got at a pretty reasonable price, but he was going to be a huge part of them down the middle. You don't replace a guy like that down the middle very easily.
0: You don't, and I think what's most disappointing is this is a guy that turned the corner last year and really looked in the first two games like he was about to take off, and not to say that that can't happen when he comes back, but to have it stall like that it hurts. Um, he, you know, he's a, he's a big guy, he's a talented guy. Um, I think there's plenty there left for him to discover, um, but you know what? That that filling that void. Alex Newhook is going to get a crack now. He couldn't do it in Colorado. Maybe change of scenery helps him, you know, be put in a better position to succeed. But you even look at what a team like the Sens are doing just down the road from Montreal and the good start that they've gotten off to in spite of not having um, their two centers and Josh Norris and Shane Pinto, who remains unsigned, like it's, You might be able to do it for a little bit, but without the proper support down the middle, you just really can't hang on for too long. there
1: is Daily Face-Offs. Frank Cervalli for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta. Uh, Yeah, had to pre-tape that one. Uh, Why? Because Frank's... At the Phillies game tonight, he's watching game one of the NLCS against the Arizona Diamondbacks. He'll be happy there in the bottom of the first, and the good guys are up 2 nothing. His good guys, I like the Diamondbacks. I think they're awesome. It's 625 in Edmonton. We'll bring it back shortly after this. Talk a lot about Brentridge Ford and their President's Awards for customer satisfaction, their full transparency, and customer care after the purchase. But another big factor in their success, like any great franchise, stability. Here's some legacy level stats: Service Manager Kevin started in 1998, Sales Manager Chris, the Flames fan, in 1999, and Uncle Milt, the rookie, in 2002. Now we know from personal experience the whole Brent Ridge staff is committed to ensuring your customer experience is a positive one. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford truck authority on the auto mile in Wetaskiwin. Coming up after a global news weather traffic update with James Dunn, we will hear our first farm report of the season for wave bathroom renovations. Colin Chalk going to tell us how the Bakersfield Condors made out in their first regular season action. Bit of a lull, though. I mean, they're off until Saturday now. How did that work out? We'll tell you all about it when we get back to Oilers now.